Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. It's Mutual Presents, and I'm Jack Ward, and we're finishing off Season 3 with our look into old-time radio with the original Mutual Broadcasting System series named, funnily enough, Mutual Radio Theater, brought to you by Sunday Showcase. Our double feature this week, Let's Play House and Double Exposure. So turn back those clocks as we return to the classic days of Mutual. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. This is Andy Griffith. Listen to this. Will? Hmm? You all right? Oh, fine. I'm fine, dear. Why are you sitting up like that? I I can't sleep. What time is it? I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm too tired to sleep. I've got an idea. Oh, not now. Please, Will. I can't sleep either, but we'll find a place tomorrow. A house, an apartment. We'll find something. But not tonight. Give it a rest. Men don't rest through a crisis. It must be three o'clock in the morning. The fevered brow seeks cool solace of knowledge in the darkest hour of night. William Wordsworth. Oh, please, Will. Please. I'll stay through sickness and health, just as I promised. But not philosophy before daylight. I am pondering the utter insanity of modern existence. Please? I'm a highly paid executive, potentially wealthy. Do you realize that? I have the wherewithal to have been a bosom buddy of King Farouk. Yet I lie sleepless on an air mattress in the back of a van, a truck, a lorry. I could go to sleep. Honestly, I could. I like sleeping in the back of a van. I like air mattresses. We saw 11 real estate folk today. Nothing. No house. No apartment. Now, look at me. My address is a motor vehicle beside a telephone booth in a supermarket parking lot. We'll find a house tomorrow. Go to sleep. Never. I am going to build my own house. I'm going to buy that lot we saw on top of the mountain. you kill yourself. That property is straight up and down. We couldn't even get up there to see it. Nah. The broker was a jellyfish. He was afraid to take us up there. That's all. You can't climb that hill. Your legs are more unstable than your mind. You don't know anything about that mountain. It, it could erupt. A typical foothill female fantasy. Looking up represents a father image. It threatens your female assertiveness. Will you plug that leak in your head? I hear a peculiar sound. You sort of why? What is that? I think we have a leak in the air mattress. No, no, no. It's more like a squeak. Well, whatever it is, I, I feel movement. Now, you're probably moved by my logic. Oh, well, see if your logic can get us out of moving into the supermarket. You forgot to pull up the handbrake! <laughs> and that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater. 
a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week, brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, Let's Play House by Shepard Menken. Our stars, Linda K. Henning, Shepard Menken, and Frank Nelson. If it weren't for Kim, the next scene would have been played inside the supermarket. Will stopped the car in time. The time didn't stop Will. He was about to wiggle out of the predicament into which society had put him. Now, most of us have gone to different places and looked up at a mountain and said, Boy, wouldn't that be a great spot to build a house? Or we'd pass a stream and say, I wonder if there's any fish in there. Or we'd be watching a thin person say, No thank you to a spoon of melted butter on a hot waffle. There are things we all kid ourselves about doing someday and know we're never going to do them. But Will Shane is desperate. He wants a place for himself and he's about to get what he wants. So being a today person with too much time, energy, and money to spare, Will has bought his tip of the iceberg, paid cash for it, and with his faithful but doubting wife, Kim, has decided to climb the mountain. Not because it's there, but because he owns it. Oh, oh, oh we made it. We didn't have to use the pitons. Here, take the pick and rope. Oh. Heaven. Absolute heaven. It must be. There's an angel behind that bush. There. It moved again. <laughs> That's a gopher. It couldn't be. <laughs> Nothing could live at this altitude. Oh, there he is again. Look. You oh. see him? Oh, gosh, they're cute with their cheeks all puffed out like that. He's not trying to be cute. He's struggling for air. Oh, come oh. on. According to the city map, we're only 1,500 feet above sea level. 1,500 feet is an arbitrary oh. figure. I don't think anyone ever actually measured it. Well, of course they did. How? Oh, look at that view. A 1,500-foot tape measure? Oh. <sighs> Tomorrow I'm going to lease a bulldozer. Your What? A bulldozer. You know, they're yellow. I know what a bulldozer is, Will. But you can't operate one. Well, why not? What kind of mentality runs a bulldozer? A lot. And speaking of lots, where is it? Where are you going to put the house? Uh, pretty small up here, isn't it? The gopher's going to have to move. Well, we'll make it bigger with a bulldozer. Would you mind telling me how you're going to get that machine up here? You don't know anything, do you? Bulldozers make roads. I'm going to push a road up this mountain and prepare a building site up here. And what about the gopher? He'll have to make his own road. L- listen, I'm starving. Get out the lunch, will you? Oh, you have to help me out of this knapsack. Everything's on my back. Oh, gee. No wonder you're puffed. You were carrying everything. Well, since I never gave you any children, the least I can do is bear the brunt. <laughs> That's funny. We don't know anybody with a baby brunt. Did you make me a garlic and mayonnaise? Oh, here it is. Mmm, my, that smells good. Here's your cheese and tomato. And sit on that rock over there. Oh, man, this is the life, huh? Mm Mmm? Yeah, it's the life. How come it's so hot up here? I was expecting snow. Inversion. The higher you go in this city, the warmer it gets. Didn't you know that? Mm-mm. I don't understand women. 
superficially, you're all so clever. No, 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 don't call me a male chauvinist. But in actuality, you people seem to go through life absorbing so little real knowledge. Yes, Master. Your brain is like a minefield of information. An idea in any direction makes your mouth explode. There are those who would substitute humor for wisdom. What? There are those who would substitute humor for wisdom. And those who have wisdom but are out of their wits. You want me to drop this project, is that it? You despise my yearning for a grasp of the wind. No, you can have all the wind you can grasp. But I have something you don't, male pig. Intuition. Women have intuition. And, being a woman, I intuish that if you get behind a bulldozer, all life as we know it on this planet will soon resemble a halibut. <laughs> Oh, hi. I'd like to lease a bulldozer. Hmm. Well, I got them. All the way from the killer over there to this itsy-bitsy one over here. Itsy-bitsy? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Look, I've I've got this piece of property, and I'd like to push a road... No problem. Ever run one of these babies? I'm afraid not. No problem. Just keep her full of diesel and right side up. Oh, boy. Just like driving a Ferrari. Oh, I never drove a Ferrari. Well, you never drove one of these things either, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you thought you had me there, didn't you? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, maybe we can start over. What I'd like to do, sir, is lease a bulldozer for about six weeks. Uh, nobody can afford that. Well, well, that's one of the things I want to know. How much will it cost, and can you teach me how to operate it? No problem. Which one you want? No. Uh, I think... This one, over here. That one? Ah, the killer, huh? Yeah. You think I can run it? That's a big one. Well, I know, but can I run it? Nothing to it. Just watch out for loose dirt. Loose? I've known men to sink straight down 20 feet. Well, how'd they get out? Never found them. Oh, boy. Ah, it's uh, six weeks you want it for, right? Look, can you teach me to operate it? No problem. Like I said, she'll run by herself. Will she stop by herself? Uh, no, no, you'll have to stop her. Problem sometimes. What? Uh, what, what do you mean, sometimes they won't stop? Oh, happens on all diesels. No ignition, you know. Got to shut them down by cutting off their fuel. Valve gets stuck. Sometimes they leak. Happens on all of them. What? Yes, sir. Least bit of fuel gets through, she ain't going to stop. Wonderful machine, the diesel. Yeah, well, what do you do? Cut the fuel line. Only way. And if you don't have a knife? (laughs) You figure it. Seriously. (laughs) Just keep going in circles till you figure something out or or you run out of fuel. (laughs) And if you fall asleep, then what? Uh, That's why we get $25,000 deposit. In this city and in this state where Kim and Will Shane live, a man can be cited for digging a hole or hitting a nail into a piece of wood without a permit. Violation of building department rules can cause county reprisals. Well, here we are. The County Hall of Administration. 
<laughs> impressive, huh? Too impressive. All right, now, just stand by me. I'll handle this. Uh, excuse me. On what floor is the Department of Building and Safety? Huh? Oh, let me see. Uh, Department of, um, what did you say that was? Building and Safety. Building and Safety. I'm sorry, sir. They're not in this building. I think they are, miss. What are you looking under? Well, I have the directory right in front of me, sir, and I'm telling you, they're not in this building. Uh, uh, do you mind if I look in your book? I'm not permitted to do that, well, sir. Well, I, I happen to know they're in this building. I'm telling you, they're not. If you insist, I'll look it up again, but I'm telling you, uh, uh, what department was that again? Oh, wow. The Department of Building and Safety. Mm. Well, you see, here we are, bail bond, bailiff, bidding, billing, billing. It's not here. You're spelling it wrong. I beg your pardon? Building is spelled B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G. Okay. Department of B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G and safety. That's room 403. Thank you. Oh, excuse me, sir. You can't go up there alone. Oh, I'm not. My wife is coming with me. I'll have to assign you an escort. I I can find my way. I'm sorry, sir. There are classified activities in this building. Would you please wear this badge? You too, miss. Mrs. Miss. I'm not Miss. I'm Mrs. Don't start in. Who've we got? See these people to room um, uh, 403, Miss Walker. Come on, then. I've got to go to the men's room. I'll take you. You'll take me? I assure you I can go myself. That's not permitted. What? There it is. I'll wait for you. I never in my life saw anything. I guess we'll be seeing quite a lot of you folks. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, We've just come here to get a building permit. Hello, Clara. How are you today? Fine, Mr. Anthony, just fine. Well, see you later. Uh, maybe up in the commissary? No, not today, sir. Brought my lunch in a bag. Well, never get poisoned that way. <laughs> Lovely man. He just came here from room 403. Came for a building permit, just like you. Showed up here the first time in 1962. Now, when we talk to the man, be friendly. Use your charm, for heaven's sake. You mean I've got charm? You said you had it all. Oh, come on. Now, just be a little more communicative. You know what we came for. Talk. Men love talking to pretty girls. You're a pretty girl. You mean I didn't have to shave this morning? Good morning. Can I help you? Oh, good morning. I'm Kim Shane, and this is my husband, Will. Howdy. What can I do for you? Isn't it a wonderful day? Have you been out this morning? Too much, too much. Oh, yes. They open the cage at night and capture me again at eight every morning. Uh, we, we'd, we'd like to get a grading permit, sir. It is a nice day, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. My, that's a nice shirt you're wearing. Oh, do you like it? Too much. You're overdoing it. My wife gave it to me for Christmas. Beautiful. Seven years ago. Uh, actually, uh, we came to get a permit. Oh, really? To do what? 
we'd like to prepare a building site. Who are you? I'm her husband. Oh. Well, she didn't say she was married. Where's the property? At a point beginning at the northwest corner of lot 46, books 147 in the county... Did hold it? I'll be right back. What was that? What was what? My, what a nice shirt you're wearing. Well, you said men like to talk to pretty girls, and I used to be a pretty girl. That's not what I said, and you didn't have to bring your shirt into it. I thought it was a nice shirt. You don't have one with strawberries. Shh, shh, here he comes. My, that's a big map. Amazing coincidence. I happen to live right over here. Uh, no, no, over here. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Now, where was it you wanted to build? At a point beginning at the northeast... Yeah, point... Give me that. Uh, lot 46 in northeast. Ah, oh, here it is. Oh, how lovely. It's the only property colored chartreuse. Chartreuse. That's because it's so high. A perfect place for an angel, I'd say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it seems we're going to be neighbors. I'll be right at the bottom of the hill. Excuse me, sir, about the permit. Maybe you could come up and give us pointers on the construction. Oh, I would anyway. That's my territory. I'm your inspector. Oh. Oh. <laughs> How terrific. Well, it certainly is nice to meet you, Mr. Uh, uh... If you have any problem, you can call me any time. Here's my car. Oh, gee, that's great. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. I'll be with you in just a minute, sir. Just wait your turn. And my name is on the card, John DePew. What a lovely name, John DePew. It's French. It means just a little bit. Here, here, let me write my home phone on the back, just in case. Just in case of what? Here we are. Now, if a woman answers, don't say anything. She doesn't understand beans. Excuse me. All right, sir. Now, what was it you wanted? A grading permit. Oh, yes, of course. You're with her. No, she's with me. Listen, you want that permit or don't you? I'm sorry. Here's the grading plan. Who drew this? Well, I did. Why? It lacks composition. Does it look all right otherwise? Suitable for framing. Did you have a geological? Is that a personal question? Well, yes, I did, as a matter of fact. Well, how far down did you go? Maybe I shouldn't be hearing this. Eight feet, I hit bedrock. You never told me that. Will you shut up? Hey, now, when you clear the ground, you'll have about 85 tons of brush to dispose of. I, I imagine you're right. It trees, shrubbery, nasty weeds, that's a lot of debris. It sure is. Well, you may not burn it or bury it. We have fire laws for one and mudslide laws for the other. But if I can't burn it or bury it, what am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> oh, I, I, I just love my answer to that one. Well, what am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> oh, oh, this is the time for not listening, Mrs. Shane. <laughs> Put your little fingers in your dainty ears. Honey, honey, Kimmy, wake up, darling. You're dreaming. What? Huh? Oh, oh, you, you killed him. No, I didn't, darling. 
I mean, I mean, wh- what are you talking about? Who'd I kill? You were dreaming, sweetheart. Come on now, wake up. Come on, turn over. Let us sleep. There you go. Yes, don't you dare kiss me. All right, I won't kiss you. I won't even touch you. Good. Don't touch me. Don't ever touch me. Boy. Murderer. Murderer? You killed my gopher. I didn't kill anybody. You just dreamed it. It doesn't matter. I know you now. Dreams don't lie. And then you sold me. I what? You would have bartered me for a building permit. You would have pushed me off the edge of virtue. I what? You would have served me up to that salivating inspector in exchange for a grading permit. Oh, I only wanted you to be social. Social? Social? Oh, you sure were social. You like my wife, Mr. DePew? Oh, well, of course you can have her. Straight up or on the rocks? No, that's not a swizzle stick. It's a stake I drove through a heart. Oh, nuts, Kim. Grow up, will you? Just grow up. You. You hit me. Kimberly, you hit me. It's always serious business when either a husband or a wife calls off and socks the other. But when a woman socks her husband, she usually does it with all her might. And I want to tell you, men aren't all that unbreakable. Anyway, that early morning punch on the nose was only the beginning. Kim, are we having another quiet day? You're driving me crazy. I guess you know that. Talk to me, will you? I don't I don't even know what I did. I got the permit yesterday, did I tell you? Now we can rent the bulldozer and make a road. <laughs> don't you want to build a house and sleep in a real bed and get out of this van? Oh, come on, honey, talk to me. What's wrong? Tell me. We've grown apart. No, we haven't. We're two separate branches on the tree of life. But that's good. Remember what Reverend Frommer said? May ye grow like two trees, but not in each other's shadow. Then shall ye each give forth abundant fruit. Yeah, but all you grow is lemons. I can grow apples instead if that's what you want. What do I care? A leopard can't change his spots. How'd I get to be a leopard? I was just a lemon tree. We need professional help. Gardener or zookeeper? I mean an advisor. A third party. <laughs> I love third parties. Even if I miss the first two, just invite me. What we <laughs> need is another opinion. Well, I'm sure I'm right, but if you want the same opinion from somebody else, I have no objection. <laughs> I'm glad you're able to be here together. Well, we never go anywhere separately when we're together. Yes, I know. Perhaps you could each tell me what your problem is. Well, well the, the problem, problem is, my wife, from what I've been I'm able, able to, to understand, myself. because you've got to, to know that this situation has come as a complete surprise to me. But from what I can gather, she seems to think that I'm some kind of an ogre who completely dominates her life. Yes, I know. You know what? I hear you, and I understand. I knew you would. Oh, yes. Well, what about me? Where do I stand? You're forceful but gentle. Oh, yes. Listen, we can't both be right. Would you care for some herb tea? Tea? Oh, I'd love a cup. Oh, you love this. It's so relaxing. I make it myself. (laughs) 
Uh, you grow your own herbs? Oh, no. I just mix equal parts of dried raspberries and xylocaine. I think I'll pass this time. Uh, me too. As I was saying, Doctor, my husband and I are always together, but we're never together, if you get what I mean. Oh, yes. I know your dilemma so well. Perhaps the problem goes back to your childhood. Tell me about your parents. Hmm. They slept on a regular bed with a box spring and an inner coil mattress. Isn't that interesting? Tell me more. I mean, how you feel about beds. I'm afraid they'll explode. Aha! Relax, Doctor. We sleep on an air mattress. What's to tell? You push on one side, it gets fat on the other. What's that got to do with anything? You're gaining weight. My side is getting higher and higher. I have nightmares about sleeping with hairpins. What else? We sleep in the back of a truck in front of a supermarket. The emergency brake slips. My! The least vibration might put us right in the middle of frozen orange juice. That could put you under quite a strain. Say nothing of the orange juice. <laughs> I think generally you might be more understanding of your wife, Mr. Shane. Well, what about my side of the story? I don't feel she's grown with me. No, my head isn't as fat as yours. Oh, is that so? Yes, that's so. Well, what if you promised you me that if we about? had a third party to advise you, that makes you'd listen sense, as well I as I would have told me about it, and maybe we could have resolved this stupid make it situation. Believe it or not, Will and Kim Shane got their problems ironed out. Dr. Kleinkup told Kim to be more tolerant of Will, and she told Will to be more considerate of Kim. And they both thought that was just wonderful. They plunked down $75 and walked out feeling a lot better. Next day, they got in the bulldozer and began working their way up the hill. <laughs> this is terrific! Nothing's going to stop this baby. Hey, looking back at you, we're making a road, a perfect road. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> ah, I told you it would be. Can I drive? Ah, oh, come on, Tim. This is no job for a woman. Are you starting up with me? Why can't you just be a girl? You are starting up with me. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Well, if I didn't intend to drive, why would I have hung around while they gave you instructions? Yes, dear. Why did you say okay when I insisted on true upholstered bucket seats? Well, drive. You're sitting there. Oh, let me see now. Okay, Christopher Columbus, here I come. Let the world be flat. Yay! Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just knocked something over in that bar. What? A sign. You just knocked over a sign. Probably a boundary marker. We own all this land, don't we? Yeah, but not the mineral rights. Maybe somebody staked the claim. I'm going back there to see what it says. What does it say? Warning. Underground cable. Permission to excavate should be made in writing. They've got a nerve. Well, let's make sure to stick that sign back in the dirt. Okay, but it's all brown, and I don't like where it is. Let's see if we can find a better spot for it higher up. Cut into the hill a little more. The, the third, no, third knob. There, that's it. Ah! 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 What happened? You hit a water pipe. What do you mean I hit a water pipe? I hope you notice I'm not driving. Well, you don't sit there like a jackass. What are we going to do? I don't know. Why'd you stop it? I didn't. Well, it stopped. Well, I didn't stop it. So we, we, we better get out of here. We're beginning to sink. Loose dirt. It must be loose dirt. I'll have to get out your side. The water's almost up to my seat. You can't. 
is a 30-foot drop to the port side. Oh, my. Look. There's, there's a helicopter over us. It's the police. My feet are getting wet. Oh, my. Maybe they brought a towel. We're sinking. This is the police. We're dropping a ladder for you. Get on and we'll pull you up. Hey, have you got your driver's license? No. Did you bring yours? No. Boy, are we going to get a ticket? How can we get a ticket? We didn't break the law. Article 47, paragraph 2 in the Book of Police. Are you making that up? What does it say? $200 or life imprisonment for anyone caught drowning on a bulldozer. Andy Griffith again, and here's the fourth act of Let's Play House. I knew if I told this story, no one would believe. The police helicopter rescued Kim and Will and radioed for a crew to fix the broken water main. Boy, you guys came in the nick of time. Uh, no sweat. Old company's got everything plotted out. The phone company? How did the phone company hear about this? You guys broke an underground cable. They knew where it was in a second. Computers and all. We cut a cable? Yeah. There's no telephone service to the whole west side of town. You mean you can't get the operator? That's right. How is that different from normal? And you guys got a permit to use that machine? Well, of course. We wouldn't grade without a permit. Yeah. What do you think we are? Criminals or something? Just asking. Got it with you? The permit? Yeah. You're supposed to carry it with you. Guys usually put it in their hat. I don't wear a hat. You're kidding you riding a dozer and you don't wear a hat? If you wear a hat, you get bald. Oh, that's baby stuff. They've got all kinds of caps now. Blue, red, green. You go with whatever you're wearing. Where are we going? Uh, hold it. K4X11A to K4X11B. This is Officer Polizzi in Air Mobile Unit 2. We picked up the suspects. Suspects? A bulldozer job. There's a water line on top of the cable. They broke that, too. I have a feeling this is going to cost money. What makes you say that? And call building and safety. They say they have a permit, but, <laughs> you know, over and out. Well, we do, too, have a permit. Call Mr. DePew in the Department of Building and Safety. He's my friend. DePew is your friend? I thought you hated him. That's right. I hate him like a disease. But you wanted me to be social, and now we've got a social disease. I've asked Mr. DePew, who gave you your grading permit, to come down. We're in the same complex, you know. It wasn't our fault, Lieutenant. The water main and the telephone cable aren't indicated on my map. Here, see. Now, look at this map. The water mains and the cables are not indicated. Uh, is that your property there? Yes, it is. Chartreuse, isn't it? Pretty. I thought so, too. Oh, hello there. Oh, hi. Uh, you two know each other? Not as well as he'd like. Oh, excuse me. Uh, is he your inspector? Yes, he is. You're a real loser, aren't you, Shane? Don't talk nasty to building inspectors. Take my advice. Be social. Right. Now, uh, where were we? Oh, yes. Mr. DePew, did you give these people a permit to grade on this lot uh, here? You did, didn't you, Mr. DePew? 
Oh, I just love your shirt. It's all over cherries today. <laughs> you see, your wife's got the right idea. Yes, I did, Lieutenant. I heard about the accident, but there's signs posted all over the property. Water, power, gas, phone company, TV cable. They all have easements in there somewhere. Well, how were we supposed to know about all those nasty easements, Lieutenant? Oh, they're on your deed of trust, ma'am. You... Really ought to read the fine print. <laughs> My husband can't read without glasses. His eyes aren't. Speaking of eyes, blue eyes, jet black hair, so unusual. Have you always had them, Lieutenant? Well, uh, yes, I have, as a matter of fact. My mother was Irish, but my father was Spanish. Well, actually, I'm, I'm one quarter French on my father's side, but his mother was one quarter Latvian. So I, I really don't know what that makes me. Probably just a swell guy. I'm getting sick. In a way, we're all searching for our true identity, aren't we? I really find you all so interesting. Someday, when we get our house finished, I wonder if we all could be friends. I mean, people are so distant these days, so impersonal. Oh, sheesh. What have I done? Yeah, we are impersonal. But police are like doctors. They... Can't get involved. Yeah, I've been in buildings for 15 years, but nobody ever asked me in. I'd like to think of our home as a refuge, a place to which the soul can ascend and find its true meaning. I don't mind their souls coming up. It's the rest of them. Well, I'll certainly help every way I can. Oh, I know you will. Uh, look, I think I can straighten this thing out with the companies involved. You people go ahead and build your house. And if you have any trouble, miss, just call this number and ask for Lieutenant Hefe. Blue eyes and jet black hair. <laughs> too much. I don't care what anyone says. It's too much. Will wasn't exactly delighted with Kim's super social behavior, but he was smart enough to know that without her, he didn't have a chance. The utility companies not only repaired their broken lines, but brought heavy equipment up the hill, pulled the bulldozer out of the mud as easy as pulling a plum out of a pie. The man who operated the crane even washed off the dozer and got it going again. Everything went smoothly after that. The road was finished, the pad was cleared off, the foundations and trenches were dug, the reinforcing bar was set into place. The plumbing was put in, and finally, all the carefully conceived cavities were filled with mud. The trade term for the sea of water, sand, gravel, and cement that soon set into one solid slab of almost indestructible concrete. Well, <laughs> what do you think now? It looks small. Yeah, it always looks small before the walls go up. It looks smaller. Where's the living room? <laughs> right here. We're in it. What are those big pipes doing sticking out of the concrete? They're soil pipes, dummy. Don't call me dummy. I know they're soil pipes. I also know that the business end of a soil pipe is connected to business-type conveniences, like toilets. Well, you're not so dumb at that. I'm not as dumb as you're going to look when I ask you the next question. What's a toilet doing in the middle of the living room? I don't know how the plumber got the plans turned around. Maybe he didn't. Maybe in his house, the comfort station is in the living room. 
Hey, this is fun. You want to try it? No, thanks. The milk I had for breakfast will turn to butter, and I'm trying to lose weight. Isn't it great to see guys work so fast? Yeah. They got all the two-by-fours up in two days. Uh, framing goes fast. Oh, uh, Will? Yeah. The roof isn't flat, is it? Oh, it looks flat. Actually, the plans call for a three-inch drop in 20 feet. That's sufficient to make the water drain off. The roof is flat. It isn't, honey. It just looks that way. The roof is flat. There's no drainage. Oh, you're stubborn. Hey, Kenny. Hello? Do you have a three-inch drop from back to front on the roof? Hold it, guys. Hey, Howard, bring over set those plans, will you? Just a minute, Mr. Shane. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's nothing, dear. All I have to do is disassemble the roof. And that's how it went. A year or so after they started, Will and Kim finished their house on top of the mountain and had a phone installed. The first thing Kim did was pick up the phone to call her mother back in Eastport. Hello? Hello, Mother. Mother, who is this? How dare you call me Mother? I'm calling my mother. What number is this? I'm not going to give you my number. You might be an obscene person. Uh, look, I just picked up the phone. So and did I... I, and I was just going to call. Say, you must be my party line. Oh. Well, that's possible. The phone didn't ring here. Of course. My name's Shane, and this is my first phone call from my new house. Say, you wouldn't be the new house on top of the hill, would you? Why, yes. Uh, where are you? I'm at the bottom of the hill. My husband is your inspector, Depew. Oh, yes. You're my party line? I guess I am. And I'm glad you called. Your cesspool is draining into our backyard. Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, Let's Play House, was written by Shepard Mencken and produced and directed by Fletcher Markle. Your host was Andy Griffith. Our stars were Linda K. Henning, Shepard Mencken, and Frank Nelson. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Peggy Weber, Naomi Stevens, Jack Carroll, and Don Diamond. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle. 
John Harlan speaking. The Elliott Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CBI. Mutual Radio Theater has been brought to you by Sears, a name that means quality and value. A name that you can count on for service and dependability. Sears, where America shops for value. This is Vincent Price. Join us tomorrow. I'll have another story to astonish and mystify. This is Vincent Price. We're in a packed courtroom awaiting the verdict. To my left is Arno Lucas, the defendant, nervously drumming his fingers on the arm of his chair. Seems impossible that this slight, almost unobtrusive old man, virtually lost behind stacks of legal documents and reams of depositions, is a powerful underworld figure. Yet the government's case was strong because of the testimony of the man to my right, protected by two U.S. Marshals, the star witness for the prosecution. He is Frank Egan, Lucas's former associate. It was Egan's knowledge of illegal gambling, fraudulent transactions, and bribery that provided the federal attorney with solid evidence. <clears throat> Will the defendant please rise? The framer, it's a fix. Mr. Lucas, I understand the concern for your father. However, your lawyers have had ample opportunity to present a defense. Ah, this is a kangaroo court. Mr. Lucas, any further outburst and you will be removed from this court. Do you understand? Yes, Your Honor. Arno Henry Lucas... You have been tried by a jury of your peers and found guilty of extortion, racketeering, and mail fraud. You stand convicted of using your influence to the detriment of others. The time has come to serve notice on you and other men who show disrespect for the law. Therefore, it is the decision of this court that you be fined $100,000 and remanded to the custody of the federal authorities at the United States Penitentiary at Leavenworth for a period of no less than 15 years. What? It's a fix! You hear me? It's a fix! Bailiff! Clear the court! I'll frame up my rotten smoothie! You're going to pay for this, Egan. You hear me, Egan? You're not going to get away with this. I'll catch you. I swear I'll catch you, Egan! Order! Order! The courtroom is a sea of confusion as the reporters dash to the telephones and spectators mill about. Frank Egan and Carl Lucas face each other across the room. Lucas's eyes bore into Egan's with an unspeakable hatred. Suddenly Egan bolts from the chamber, terrified. He knows his life will always be in jeopardy. 
And that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week, brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, Double Exposure, by Ken Gerard. Our stars, Vic Perrin and Mary Jane Croft. Minutes after Arno Lucas was sentenced to prison, Frank Egan was en route to a safe house run by, shall we say, quasi-governmental agencies. Although shaken by Carl Lucas's threat, he felt safe. But now we find Egan in different circumstances, disheveled and frightened, hiding in a seedy hotel. Where are you, Kern? You got me into this mess, now get me out. Where are you? Some special agent... You were going to protect me, huh? He left you alone, Frank. Stuck you out there like a clay pigeon. Left you for Carl Lucas and... I don't know. Think, 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 think. Okay. Okay, I'll show him. I'll write to the newspapers, to that reporter that covered the trial. What was his name? Ah, Coster. Yeah, yeah, he'll know what to do with this story. He'll know that... Where's my pad? Here, Mr. Coster, I'm writing to you because I've got nobody else to turn to. Maybe by the time you get it, I'll be dead. I guess all the strange stuff started right after Arnold Lucas was sentenced. I was leaving the courtroom with Agent Stuart Kern. Come on, Mr. Kern. I want to get out of here. Lucas isn't going to hurt you. Are you crazy? I just put his old man in the slammer. Frank, will you play it our way, huh? He's coming. You better hold on to him, Frank. Real tight. What do you want, Lucas? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Your father had a fair trial. Shut up, Kern. You, Egan. Stooley. I won't forget. Are you threatening a government witness? Oh, no way. I'm offering advice. I want your boy to remember me. And what he did to an old man. He treated you like a son, huh, Frank? You were part of our family, huh? I want to get out of here. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead, you're free. Walk the streets, sit in the park, enjoy yourself. You got Kern and his people to protect you, huh? Carl, please. They made me testify. I didn't want to. I didn't believe me. Liar. I didn't have a choice. Oh, I feel sorry for you. You're going to be living like a king on the outside while my father rots in a stinking prison. But, Frank, you're the one who's in prison, not him. Oh, no, not him. I was scared. I knew Carl Lucas had hunt me down. I wondered, why did Kern let him have a crack at me? I ran out of the courtroom, but Kern and the U.S. Marshals caught me in the hall... All I remember was struggling and then a pinprick on my neck and the whole building started to swim. The next thing I know, I'm in a hospital and this beautiful woman is sitting beside my bed. Oh, oh, my head. Fly back, Mr. Egan. Oh, I feel 
Like I've been asleep for days. Would you like some water? Yeah. Yeah. My face. I've got bandages all over my head. What happened? Take it easy. Why are all these tubes in me? I... And I'm covered with bandages that... Was there an accident? We're all right now. Come on, please, lie back. <laughs> That's better. <sighs> You're fine, just fine. What is this place? Where's Kern? I want to see Kern. He'll be in shortly. I don't like this. You're safe. We've moved you to one of our clinics. We've uh, performed some cosmetic surgery. You did what? We altered your appearance what? for security reasons. Standard procedure for special witnesses. You... People are crazy. Surgery is part of your cover. We're giving you a whole new identity, new face, new job skills, a new life. Why, you'll be able to walk in front of Carl Lucas. He'd never recognize you. Who... Who do I look like? Nobody. Anybody. Does it matter? I guess not. Ah, Don't take it so badly. It's like being reborn. Tell me, how do you figure in this? I'm going to be traveling with you for a while, for security, and liaison with our office. When do I get out of here? Oh, not for some time. The surgery is only part of your cover. We'll provide you with an entire new identity. Your new face has to be matched with a new personality. And when you're ready, we'll begin psychological retraining. In a few months, we'll have removed all traces of Frank Egan. It's a successful program. Trust me, Frank. Trust me. I sank into the bed, confused and apprehensive. Everything she'd said swam in my brain. They'd operated on me, given me a new face. They were going to make me into somebody else. I didn't even know where I was. Suddenly, my eyes filled with tears. And I felt alone. Alone. And very frightened. I felt alone and very frightened. Frank Egan looked at the words he had just written to a newspaper reporter he barely knew. Again, he was alone, isolated, in hiding. A barking dog shattered the stillness of the night, and Egan shivered in fear. How could anyone believe his tale? He wasn't Frank Egan anymore. He was now... But let him tell the rest of his story. I think I was in one of their hospitals in the South, but I really wasn't sure. They never let me have a newspaper or watch television... She said it was part of the sanitizing process. Oh. oh, thank God. Thank God Kern's found me. He's going to pull me out of here. Hello, Kern? Uh, Ann, is that you? Who's on this line? Talk. Talk, talk. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's them. <sighs> They're out there waiting, waiting. I'd better finish this letter. I'm going to let the whole story get out. Yeah, I'll have it splashed all over the newspapers. All right. 
Her name was Anne Harmon. She was Kern's assistant and in charge of my program. Feeling better, Frank? I guess so. You know, it's creepy. I can't get used to looking at that face in the mirror. It's strange. I mean, it's a, a handsome face, but... Well, you understand, don't you, that your old life is over. Now you're Taylor Shaw. That's my name? Well, I don't like it. it. It sounds... Well, it's not me. Goes with your looks. And when we're finished with your reprogramming, you'll be that man. Okay. It's better than Carl Lucas chasing Frank Egan the rest of my life. He'll never see you again. Now, let's start with some basic trait corrections. We want you to undergo certain tests. Nothing harmful, just subconscious relearning. The next few weeks, if they were weeks, sped by. I was turned inside out. I learned to talk differently, to walk with a bigger stride. And in the end, I was thinking like Taylor Shaw. After a while, I enjoyed it, but... Deep down, I was afraid. And then the nightmare started. I never told them about that. I, maybe I should have. No, no, Frank. You graduated from Lafayette College, not oh, State. Sorry. Sorry. There's just too much to remember. Well, take your time. We can go over your background tomorrow, but you better review your notes this evening. Well, when am I going to graduate? You know, leave this place. Soon. Very soon. A week? Two weeks? Oh, come on, Miss Harmon. It can't be that secret. Uh, I imagine two weeks is a good bet. All right. Where am I going to be sent? First, you get your personal history down, Pat. Then we'll talk about it. I'll lay you odds. Taylor Shaw doesn't lay odds. I'm sorry. Uh, I would guess that I'm going up north, somewhere on the Middle West. And my cover, an office job. No, uh... Middle management in a manufacturing company. Am I close? <laughs> You're too smart. <laughs> Is class dismissed for the day? I don't know. I may never graduate. Cheer up, Mr. Shaw. You're going to be released tomorrow. You're kidding. Tomorrow? You and Miss Harmon are leaving for California in the morning. When did you make this decision? I didn't. Mr. Lasseter changed the plan. That's a major alternative. I don't think Mr. Ann, La can we discuss this later? There's a staff briefing at 4.30. In the meantime, I want Frank, uh, Mr. Shaw, to get some rest. I feel this is too sudden. Anne. Well, everything's okay, isn't it? I, I mean, I'm I'm still covered, aren't I? Uh, yes, of course. There's nothing to worry about. When you and Anne get to San Diego... San Diego? When you get there, you'll go right to our safe house. Everything's arranged. Safe house? It's part of your cover. The head of the company feels you'd be more productive in Southern California. Level with me, Kern. I'm in trouble. There's been a security leak, right? No. You're protected. Safe. Sometimes these things happen. Trust me, Frank. We know what we're doing. Trust? What a joke. It was a setup all the way. And I was the target the whole time. Frank Egan, the man on the run, sits hunched over a desk in a sleazy hotel. 
Frantically, he writes out his story. It is a desperate attempt to relate the events that have brought him to San Diego, events that destroyed his real identity and turned his world inside out. He stops writing and stares into the fearful blackness of the night. His face glistens with a cold sweat. I should have known that I was being set up, but the idea of winding up in California pleased me. And having Ann Harmon as a traveling companion was okay, too. We landed in San Diego on the 19th. Another change in plans. We had jobs at the safe house. <laughs> safe house? It was a diner. I was the counterman and she was the waitress. Give me a BLT, right toast. And what do you want to drink? Coffee. I never saw you here before. What happened to the regular guy? Oh, he quit. Booze, you know. Cream? Uh, no, thanks. You from back east? Yeah. Hey, I thought so. You look just like a guy I knew from Detroit. Never been there. Hey, Taylor, give me a hand with this table. Sure. Now your order's up, fella. Here you go. Enjoy yourself. Thanks. You sure you're not from Detroit? No, I'm sure. Who's your buddy? I don't know. Sandra thinks he knows me. You recognize him? No. Let me carry the tray. You take the glass. Well, you better take a look at him again. Why? You think he's one of Lucas's boys? Well, is he? He's turned this way. Just go to the kitchen. Go to the kitchen. I took the tray and hurried into the kitchen. Ann started to talk to the guy. He nodded his head a couple of times. Finally, he paid the check and left. So who is he? I'm not certain. You better run a check on him. In the meantime, go back to the apartment and start packing. Well, what about you? I'll meet you there. Uh, give me an hour. Well, maybe I should stay here? Do as I say. Now. All right. All right. Leave by the back door. Don't run. Be cool. Yeah, I'll try. Hiya, Mr. Shaw. How you doing? Where'd you come from? Just been waiting for you. Look, I don't know you. I don't want to know you. Oh, sure, sure. Tell me all about it, Mr. Shaw. I don't have any money. Uh, here, take the watch. Oh, come on. Drop the act. Act? What? You think I'm somebody else? Look, man, I know you. We've been waiting months until you showed. Did Carl send you? Did he send you? Carl? You don't have any business with any Carl. It's just Franco and me in this part of the world. Well, you made a mistake. No way. You're Taylor Shaw. You're my man. Uh, uh, down the alley. You got it. Uh, uh, that way. I got him. What do you want? Now, don't, don't do that again. Never, never. Oscar, you sure this this is the guy? Roll up his sleeve. Yeah. Uh, the left one, dummy. There it is. Three dots tattooed above the wrist. They did that to me at the clinic. Oh, shut up. Uh, Franco, get the car. Yeah. We'll take him to the warehouse. We can talk in private. Right, Mr. Shaw? Uh, nice, quiet talk between friends. Oscar slammed me against a brick wall and I slumped to the ground. They threw me into the back seat of a car and the lights went out. 
Next thing I knew, somebody was slapping my face. Up, up. Come on. That's better. Come on, Joe. Sit up. Oh, oh. oh my head. Drink this. Go ahead. Oh, you... You guys made a mistake. It's not what you think. Sure. Tell me about it, Tonk. Now, where's our fellow? Franco. Take it easy. No need for the rough stuff. We're all friends. Isn't that right, Mr. Shaw? Just good buddies. What do you want? Money? Oh, man, if that isn't a joke. Control yourself. That's right. We would like our money, just as promised. We delivered, now you come across. It's business, Mr. Shaw. Nothing else. I don't understand what you're talking about. $300,000, that's what. It's our dough. Easy, Franco. Easy. He's right, Mr. Shaw. You owe us. For what? Hey, let me take him out. Uh, not yet. What's not the yet. use? Now, we're not getting anywhere with now this back off. I don't want this to wind up like the other one. What's the difference, Oscar? He's going to die anyway. No. Let's just get the money. That's all. That's all we're entitled to. Uh, I don't want another killing on our hands. Go ahead. This can be short and sweet or damn painful. Now, where's the $300,000? I don't have $300,000. Mr. Shaw, we performed our end of the bargain. We brought in a shipload of heroin. We killed the Coast Guardsman. We did everything your people wanted. And now we, Franco and I, want to get paid. I am not Taylor Shaw. Damn it, save that garbage for somebody else. The dough. Just get us our share, understand? You got the wrong guy. No, sir. We've waited for you. You're a month overdue. A month! Look, I'm Frank Egan. Egan, they, they changed my identity for, for protection. I was a government witness. And the girl, the waitress in the diner, she's a special agent. Annie? Yeah. Ann Harmon. She'll tell you. Franco, you hear that? Annie's a fed. No kidding. Well, next time I've got to see her shield. <laughs> she wears a badge, has your... Look, look. It's a mistake. Just let me out of here, and, and, and I won't tell anybody, all right? I can't get over sweet little Annie working for Uncle Sam. Well, it's true. It isn't. Because Anne works with us. She's the one that brought you out west, right? She's a runner for the syndicate. No, no, no. She's with the FBI. Come on. Hey, sure. Cut the double talk. Now, we are tired of waiting. Now, tomorrow... All of us are going to the bank, and you are withdrawing our money. What bank? The one that has our 300 Gs. Cool it. Now, look, Shaw. We know you've got a safe deposit box somewhere in town. Just open it, and this whole stinking mess will be finished. I am Frank Egan. Don't open your mouth again. Now, don't. Please, please believe me. punch flattened me. I don't know how long I was out, but the next thing I knew, Anne Harmon was standing over me. Lie still, Taylor. Oh. Franco, give me that washcloth. Oh, here you go. Now, doesn't that feel better? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry the boys had to be forceful. Just keep that on your cheek. But you haven't been cooperative, have you? Anne, Anne, tell him the truth. Tell him who I am, please. Oh, uh, we won't get anywhere this way. Let her try, huh? You're not making this easy on yourself. It's a waste of time. 
Oscar called Mr. J. Get him down Shut here. Up. No more. Look, we've taken all the risks so far. Now, you call him. He can deal with his creep. Franco, will you shut up? Mr. J., what are you talking about? Nothing, nothing. Now, just forget it. Tell her. Franco. Mr. J. is our partner, silent partner in this business. Listen, will you keep your mouth shut? No. I've had it. I thought you ran this racket alone. Mr. J. put up the bread for the boat, the lab, distribution. We're only transportation. And I thought you were running this show. What you didn't know didn't hurt you. Well, I'm tired of taking the heat. Now, Oscar, call the man. Let him take care of Shaw. Do it, Oscar. It's his money, isn't it? Oh, all right. I'll make the call. I am not part of this. I'm I'm Frank Egan. Uh, and please... You open your face once more and you'll regret it. You understand? Uh, you're with them, aren't you? Here, Annie. Hold my gun on him. I want to hear what Oscar's going to tell him. The man from Detroit is here. I know. I saw him at the diner. You were there? Talk, Oscar. What's the problem? He says he's not our man. You check for the tattoo? It's there. So, let him take you to the safe deposit box. He doesn't know anything about it. What are you trying to pull? Nothing. We've worked him over and he's still saying he's some guy, uh, Frank Egan. Yeah, yeah, Egan. The guy who fingered old man Lucas? How do I know? Listen. Mr. J, you, you gotta come down. We want to turn him over to you. This is getting sticky. You were paid to make the delivery, then to take Shaw to the bank, not do it. No, no, it's out of control. Okay, here's what you do. Make this guy talk. If he's Shaw and holding out for a slice of the action, I want to know. But if there's been a switch or something, and he's Egan, well, keep him alive. He's worth a hell of a lot more than three hundred thousand. I know just who to call. Yes, sir. You in the warehouse? Right. Give me an hour. I'll be there. Well, he's coming. But first, we need some questions answered. I watched Oscar put down the phone. And then he looked at me. His stare sent a chill through my body. I acted quickly. Anne had turned away from me. I grabbed her gun. He's got the pistol. Stay back. Get him, Oscar. Don't do it, Frank. He's getting away. Head him off there, Franco. Use the back stairs. I ran like a wild man into the night. I didn't know where to go. I was alone, and I was afraid. She'd maneuvered me into a trap. But why? Why? It pounded in my head. Any way I looked at it, I knew I was a marked man. I would never leave San Diego alive. Vincent Price again. Frank Egan's life hangs by a single thread as we open the fourth act of Double Exposure. I've been holed up in this room for two days. I can't take it anymore. They're out there. They're looking for me. I can't reach Kern. His emergency number is disconnected. I don't know who to trust. When I finish this letter, I'm going to kill myself. You want me? You come get me. Frank, are you all right? But 
Kern, how'd you find me? They locked your call into a tracer. But, but it was out of service. Frank, we've always known where you were. Oh, nothing with you makes sense. You know they're after me. You've got to save me. I'll try. Try? What kind of answer is that? Now, please, please, I'm in room 303. I want you to get me now. Do you understand? We have to let the string run out. Just stay put. Let her make the next move. And? Well, you know your girl's part of a heroin ring. She's not with you. You've got to wait. Why? Whose side are you on? Do you have a gun? Maybe. Maybe not. Stay away from the windows. Oh, you got me into something else, huh? I never had anything to do with drugs. Kern! Kern! I gotta get out of here. I'll go down the fire escape. The gun that... Okay. Steady, Frank. You're almost... Maybe Kern. Yeah? Frank, get out of the room. The whole thing's gone sour. How'd you find me? Never mind. Move. He's on his way. Oh, you set this up with Kern, huh? Yes, yes. Oh, I'm not leaving this place. No way. If you tell me to split, then I know it's got to be safe. You got another target. We've had you staked out from the beginning, Frank. You mean set up? There's no time to explain. Oscar and Frank are on their way. You tell it to the Marines. Sure. Sure, you want me on the outside. No way. I'm not leaving this room. I'm going to call the police. Yeah? Night, manager. Bull. Don't kill him, Franco. Mr. J wants this clown alive. Untie his hands. Ah, how you feeling, Mr. Shaw? Is that your real name? Yeah. You know, you've caused us a lot of trouble and time, Shaw. Now, we're going to get paid one way or the other. It's simple, basic business. These boys bring in the heroin. I, well, I underwrite the venture, and then your people come up with the money. I don't know what you're talking about. I I haven't got $300,000. Could be. But we have to find out. I'm not your man. Whose man are you? Mr. Oscar here tells me you said you were Frank Egan, huh? That's right. The only Egan I heard of was a fink, a stoolie, who sent old man Lucas to the slammer. You that Egan? No, 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 of course not. I don't know any Lucas. Could be. But we'll cross that bridge later. Whoever you are, I want my money. I delivered the junk, you pay. No more stalling. I'm not your man. I don't have it. Let's try that again. Think carefully, huh? You... You can work me over all you want. I'm not your connection. Okay, okay. Let's find out who you are. Because if you're not from the Detroit branch and you don't have any share, well, let's see if you're Frank Egan. Oscar, get our visitor. Yeah, Egan, interesting name. A friend of mine's been looking for a Frank Egan, looking real hard. He's over here, Mr. J. Well, Carl, is this a man? It doesn't look like him. He's had his nose fixed. 
You, uh, check him for facial scars? No, let's take a look. Keep your hands off me. Hold your head still. I said still. Ah, come here. Yeah, is that what you mean? He's got small incisions near the hairline. Yeah. Yeah, he's had cosmetic surgery. You talk. You're holding the wrong guy. He said he's eager. What do you think? I'm not forking out 500 grand until you can prove this creep's my boy. Now, he's the one... You get the bounty. If not, sorry. Listen, Carl, I wouldn't have brought you out here for nothing. He's eager. Prove it. All right. Bring him here. I'm tired of horsing around with you, fella. Just give us your real name, huh? No double talk. No wise answers. You understand? Yes. Great. Let's have it. Frank Shaw. What kind of answer is that? Tom? From his stomach bum. Get your head straight. Let me handle it, Mr. J. I know just what to do. Shh, easy, boys. Not yet. I'll let them beat it out of him. If he's sure, you get your three big ones. If he's eager, I'll pay. You can't lose, Mr. J, but you've got to prove it to me. He's eager. Don't worry, I will. Tie him to that chair. <laughs> Give me a turn. No, I need a 38. Here, use mine. Okay, big shot, we're going to play a game. It's called a truth game. Very simple. All you need is a gun, liar, and one bullet. You see? It's like an enforced game of Russian roulette, except I hold the gun right at your head. Simple, no? Yeah. Good, I think you got the picture. Now, this can be a short game or a long one. You see, fella, at this point, I'm playing for big dough. If you kill me, there's no payoff. The only way you collect is if I stay alive. He's right. I'm not paying for a court. Let's see how far this joker's bravery goes, huh? You'll get the truth. Is your real name Taylor or Shaw? Yes. No. Yeah. Sorry. Are you Frank Egan? Yes. No. The odds are running against you. You better come clean. You can't win. Shut up. I don't give a damn about that money anymore. Egan, Shaw, whoever the hell you are, you're going to die. Don't, Mr. J. Let us have him. What? You beat him up, he'll say anything. Oh, no. I'm going to blow his brains all over this warehouse. I'm finished. I'm happy. All right, cool it. If he's eager, I want him. Our family wants him alive. Do it again. Okay, okay. Don't press your luck. Start talking. Frank Shaw. Give me the gun. I'll handle this. Mr. Chang, there's a couple of cars coming up the road. Uh, don't bother me, yeah? Now, I want some answers. The truth. You got a phony store and you've had cosmetic surgery and I'm tired of these half-baked answers. You hear me? Hey, hey, hey the cars are stopping in front of the building. People are getting out. I think. I think you're Frank Egan on my right. Frank. Shaw. Okay, smart boy. I got this pistol right against your temple. Feel it, huh? Huh? <laughs> last chance. I know you don't want to die. Give it to me straight. I'm going to count to three and then. Don't. Don't. One. Please. Two. You got to believe me. I didn't want three. to. Three. I'm Frank Egan. I am. I am. Don't shoot me, Carl. They made me testify. I didn't mean to hurt your father. 
They said he wouldn't be sent up. You rotten freakers of bullshit. Oh, Special Agent Kern. Uh, the building is surrounded. Come uh, up with your hands up. Can't kill the lights are down. Where's the back door? This way. What about him? I'll take care of it. Come out with your hands up. You, you know where you can go. This way. Wait a minute. I want to nail our friend here. Get him. Hey, kids. I give up. Finish. Get those lights off. It's over. Over! And get their guns, Rossiter. Take the men and find the other two. Stuart, over here. It's Egan. Is he dead? No, just beaten pretty badly. Lucas tried to kill me. I told him. I told him. It's finished. We'll take care of you. Trust me, Frank. Trust me. Stuart Kern and Anne Harmon arrived not a moment too soon. Oscar and Franco were captured. But what happened to Carl Lucas and the elusive Mr. J? Agent Kern. Good morning, Stuart. How did your meeting go with the agency chief? Fair. He was quite disturbed that we didn't apprehend Carl Lucas and Mr. J. Yes, well, under the circumstances, we were lucky to get the other two. The boss doesn't see it that way. He wanted Jay so bad he could taste it. Well, at least this time we have three men who can identify him. Two. Egan's had a complete nervous collapse. He's no use to us. The psychiatrist reports he's assumed a dual personality, grand schizophrenia. He's become Shaw and Egan. Hmm, I should have gotten him out of the hotel immediately. Oh, so much for a case against Lucas. I thought we could have had him on attempted murder. Well, I think I can persuade Oscar to cooperate. He's facing an assortment of charges. It's worth a try. Let's move him to the clinic. He's already there. Selecting a new face? Oh, no, no, we haven't progressed that far. It's in the early stages of discussion. Anne, hmm. uh, when you conclude the talks, why don't you have the doctors make him look like Frank Egan? Hmm, interesting concept. We could use him as bait to get Carl Lucas and possibly Mr. J. Interesting. Think it over. Give me a call. I will, Stuart. I will. All you have to do is get Oscar to trust you. Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, Double Exposure, was written by Ken Gerard and produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your host was Vincent Price. Our stars were Vic Perrin and Mary Jane Croft. Featured in the cast were David Downing, John Lark, Marvin Miller, John Shea, and William Zucker. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliot Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CBI. This is Cicely Tyson. Join us again tomorrow when I'll have another story that illustrates one of love's many faces. 
Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama, or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the Matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. 